Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. I'm Andy Rao. And this week we are joined by our four Pete, five Pete guest, Kyle Latino. I really want to change my name to four Pete, five Pete now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four Pete, five Pete. Yeah, uh, so Kyle's been on a couple times, um, but we wanted to bring him back on because he has something very exciting happening pretty soon. Or did it start yet? It's, it's a Kickstarter. So as of this recording, uh, it launches on Wednesday um, to, uh, to everyone else. That will be February 3rd. Um, so it'll probably be a little bit, it'll launch a little bit before this episode goes out, but it'll run until the 17th. So it'll run for two weeks, uh, as part of zine quest three. Ooh, I don't know anything about this. Can you, uh, can you give the elevator pitch? Yeah. So zine quest is basically, you have to launch a Kickstarter that runs for only two weeks for funding. And it has to be to fund a, a zine, a single color zine that is no larger than um, a piece of printer paper folded in half. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so it's like very small constraints. The idea is just to get people to actually kind of use Kickstarter for what it was originally supposed to do (laughs) instead of kind of very expensive pre-orders with extra (laughs) tote bags and stuff. But it has really gotten a lot. So it's it's for basically anything, but it's really getting getting a lot of support and action for the past two years. This is the third year in a row it's been going um, from the the TTRPG community. Um, Lots Mm -hmm. of people doing dungeons or launching games or things like that through this. That's super cool. I think the key to running a successful game Kickstarter is to have the have a lot of stretch goals, and each of them is like an entire different business model <laughs> that must be mastered. So that's the yeah. most successful way to do it. That's you yeah. really yeah. want to start off on the right foot, especially if you're first time. Just like go go all out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you know? Do you have your zine all mapped out, or as part of the challenge that you'll figure this out once it funds or what? So I have half of it done. My my project, which you can find at bit.ly slash old road zine all one word it is for a zine called uh the old roads and it is just a book of maps <laughs> so like the first heading on the kickstarter page will just say oops all maps there's no rules <laughs> text there's no like dc classes or stat blocks or monsters or anything it's just beautiful detailed characterful um isometric maps that are perfect for boss battles combat encounters and one shots that's great. Wow. Yeah. Are these, so you've been sharing a couple of, of maps, I think along these lines and in, in our discord. And then you also have, have a couple up on itch.io. Are these going to be from that? Or are they going to be brand new ones? They are going to be brand new and exclusive to uh, the old roads zine. So if you want these okay. maps back, this Kickstarter, the, yeah, but the, so they'll be kind of smaller. Some of the other maps that I've been doing for my project on itch.io, my page is called uh, Map Pieces is the name of the project. My mm-hmm. itch page is fantasyfuncouncil.itch.io. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got all the, I'll just, I, I hope you're writing this yeah. down because uh, <laughs> yeah, really that's right. there will be a quiz yeah. at the end of this podcast if you can. Repeat yeah, all these quiz, and we'll also put it in the show notes um, for those of us who cannot remember things like that. Man, but, that well, sounds a lot handier than actually saying www.http. <laughs> yeah, well, 
Is this zine, is this something that you have worked on in the past, or is this a brand new thing from the brain of Kyle? This is a brand new thing from the brain of Kyle, um, which <laughs> may or may not excite or excel this at all. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, the, the idea is I have I've wanted to do zine quests since I've seen it, and I was just like, this is the year. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I'm just going to put forward the time and get this taken care of and i've really really enjoyed making maps i've been doing a map a week basically uh since since the new year started uh i i think maps are a really wonderful way for for me like when i was prepping my most recent game of uh, white plume mountain for 5e i basically just traced out the map on a piece of cooking parchment and then annotated (laughs) that out on the margins Uh, And I could basically run the whole game just from that because I knew Mm -hmm. what what they were going to. So I could say the you know, you hear this, you feel this from the next room and just spatially just being able to to do that stuff. But I find a lot of maps to be not quite um, um, evocative enough uh, Mm -hmm. for for my taste. So just like really getting in there and trying to make something that is clear, like it's a it's a WYSIWYG approach like what you see is what you get yeah and so you can run this without having any text and just kind of look in there and see what you can pull out as a gm as as, or and if you don't want to use it directly you can just say like oh well that seems like an intriguing little set piece i can kind of move that around for this um, and mm-hmm. just like have this kind of in your GM binder. So if they kind of, if your players kind of spring something on you, like you didn't have something prepared, if they went into the, the mines, that was just <laughs> supposed to be this bizarre rumor. You just pulled out of your butt. Well, here you go. Here you got a little mine sequence now. Huh. Yeah. Are there, uh, are there map makers in kind of the game nerd world that really inspire you out there? Uh, yeah, yeah, there are a few, um, what is skull fungus uh is a really big one uh that uh does does isometric maps um those are the ones that i i really found myself uh getting to there's a couple other but i can't i only know their bizarre you know twitter (laughs) handles that i can't remember them quite off of the top of my head like even that one i was just like i'm i've never said this aloud so (laughs) yeah it's a good thing to say out loud, though. Mm. <laughs> so I have a question for uh, both of you guys. Chris, uh, I want to say like a year or two ago, you experimented with a zine. Is that right? Mm. A very local one. Yeah, two or three years ago, I did something for like the Ann Arbor area called the Ipsy Arbor D&D Gazette, I think is what the, the full title was. But yeah, that was super fun. So I actually got, you know, like a couple submissions from folks. Some people that we've ended up actually having on the podcast. So this was before the podcast I ended up doing this. And so I published it online. It was super fun. It got, it got shared around like the Ann Arbor area yeah. a little bit. It did not take off like wildfire. Fire. We never did a second you know, okay. a second issue or anything like that. But yeah, it was super fun. It yet is what you, I think you yeah. need to say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think after this episode airs, you'll... Uh there will that will change i'm sure oh my goodness i had no time for it back when i did the first one (laughs) i definitely don't have time now well my question for both of you then is so in this era of reddit and discord and massive online communities constantly chatting and trading what does a zine bring that's uh that's what's special about a zine why do a zine know hmm um, what I liked, uh, so I'll answer and then Kyle's going to have a better answer. So I want to get in before, before <laughs> that. but what I really appreciated doing that was, um, putting together that something that just a thing that is so 
so focused it's like it's meaningless to the people that it's not for if that makes any sense right so like you're just like really focusing in on this like particular aspect of whatever your hobby is um and to me that's fascinating right like so that's what i really enjoyed about putting it putting it together because it was you know stories and things that people were sharing about their D D games and and pathfinder games and stuff but like only from a very hyper specific location in michigan so all right what about you kyle uh, it's actually in the kind of the same neighborhood uh, as what you said is constraints are really important. So the idea of making something that has a specific, you know, size and needs, you know, any font needs to be legible in that size. You're, you're designing for this space. You're designing for this mm-hmm. particular two page spread. And yeah, and also just making kind of mysterious objects and putting them out into the world is also like, yeah. I think some people are having a lot of fun with that on, on the Discord with like the puzzle boxes and things that are coming yeah. out now. Yeah, what I like about it is the, I think there's also something about the, about it that's like, it's very ephemeral. At least for what I was doing, Kyle, you might have different goals <laughs> with what you're doing. <laughs> but what I was doing, it was, it was very much meant to be a thing that only existed in a very specific time and place i have no expectations whatsoever that anyone's going to remember it in five years i'm going to forget about it like i'll probably lose the files for it at some point like that and there's something really comforting about making making a thing that's not meant to be part of your permanent record um right like whereas i think if you're posting on even facebook or yeah or reddit or these other places there's a sense that like what you're making is you're creating this thing that's going to exist in the world forever and like rejecting that a bit is is really um, enticing. Yeah, to me. zines kind of have this peculiar this peculiar power to disappear, which is yeah. I think what chiefly from where they derive their mystique. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's a good line. <laughs> and, well, I'm uh, a member of a couple of like game communities, little niches within the game world where where some of the zines that just circulated around in like the 80s or even earlier are are like. But the most treasured things that you know people <laughs> can come across um, because they're yeah. so ephemeral. You know, they came and they went, and yeah, like having having like an original like Xerox copy of uh, your chain mail or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's like oh yeah, man. exactly. Anyway, well, we could talk about like information and artifacts and things like that. I think forever, <laughs> but sure. we should maybe shift over to something else. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll drop some links to Kyle's stuff. In yeah. The, just in the to reiterate there real quick. Yeah. Um, can you just repeat the, the name of the Kickstarter and, uh, and mm-hmm. how long it'll be going, Kyle? Uh, the name of the Kickstarter is old roads and you can find that again at bit.ly slash old road zine. And um, it will be running from February 3rd to the 14th. And uh, after even after the campaign closes, uh, the PDF, as soon as it's done, will also be available for sale. But as far as Mm -hmm. if you want the zine um, or the 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 limited number of invisible maps I'm going to be drawing that will only appear (laughs) under certain chemical processes, you will have to come to the Kickstarter for. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yes. I'm really pulling an Elrond with this. I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> I'm there day one, I guess. Yeah, so you, you sold me on whatever random tier you have for those. So. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's get into what the show is nominally started to be about, uh, which is rolling on our table of topics and picking something to talk about for the day uh, that isn't just Kickstarters and, and mysterious 
artifacts <laughs> from the 80s <laughs> yeah so kyle if you want to um we have a d10 table of topics if you want to roll a d10 we're going to pick a topic to discuss all right here comes that beautiful asmr oh uh, yeah i rolled a four okay you I know what before four. i tell you the result of your die roll I would ask you a question I haven't asked in quite a while on this show, but I used to grill all the guests about it. Is there anything special about that D10 you just rolled? Uh, yes. Uh, actually, Chris Christopher Salzman bought me this D10, and uh, it oh. was for a geekend, uh, a weekend where all of us geeks from college got together, and he asked Aww. everybody what their favorite color was, and I said, the color of heartbreak. And so he brought me this beautiful set that is deep red with uh, black uh, numbers. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> is is the one like a little picture of Chris's head? I didn't do that. Uh, I mean, if you squint. Oh, chess X didn't have <laughs> it, that. It kind of that. looks like a one to me, but I guess it depends on how you see Chris. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, at any rate, the uh, the heartbreak die. Uh, what a wonderful story, by the way. The heartbreak die rolled a four, and that means the question we will be discussing today is, how do you handle luck, second chances, or supernatural intervention in your games. Oh, that's a good one. I'm thinking back as to when to when we added this to the topic. And I think there's a lot of different directions this could go. But one of the things that was on my mind when we added this topic to the table was the number of games that have some sort of like a a luck mechanic or a uh, fate points or or luck points or a luck roll or something like that. Uh, like a mechanical way to give players kind of a last chance for a lucky break, if you know, something like that. That is one way that that games officially introduce, you know, some sort of a basically divine intervention of some sort into a game. Do you guys play games where there is a mechanic, like an escape route mechanic like that? I don't think explicitly. I mean, other than, you know, the standard answer of, you know, D&D. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> Every role is sort of a little bit luck-based. Um, and then there's, you know, death, death. Uh, saving throws things like that but yeah i don't think i don't think i play games that explicitly have that my first introduction to this was way back in the old days playing i think a top secret si back in the 80s it was a spy rpg and mm. every character had i think they were called luck points mm. and characters they never knew how many they had left but they oh. could ask to spend a luck point at any time and i forget what happened but i think it was like you either automatically succeed or you get to re-roll a die or something like that. And the idea was, you know, eventually you would ask, spend a luck point and the GM would grin at you and say that you're <laughs> all out of luck. But, uh, but would something would something extra bad happen to you if you asked for luck and you didn't have it? I don't think so. I don't think it okay. was that thought out of a mechanic, but uh, but <laughs> it, it should have been how it played out, I think. Uh, so what sprang to mind when, uh, when we rolled this... Uh, this question guys um i was thinking about a game that you ran kyle years and years ago we were playing the pathfinder starter set yes you probably don't you might remember this i don't know remember if it was my character or someone else's but um they asked for help from their god and you had them roll and they rolled a natural one on it and so you had their god show up and lie to them <laughs> <laughs> and tell them the wrong information <laughs> did they know the I think they, they might have. To? We were. I mean, the group we were playing with was. It was. Uh, it was a savvy enough one. with role playing. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it was yeah. it, with the result. Like meta gaming, everybody knew. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, but the, the everyone was a good sport about it, and I think kind of went went along with this information. Yeah. 
but it, uh, that that was a very much a defining moment to me because um, I mean it was the very first time I think we were actually playing like Pathfinder or D anD D because we'd played a lot of games like similar to that but none of the the actual ones and it was just really interesting like oh yeah like you like why wouldn't you <laughs> like like you can't trust all the information that's given to you you know um, and especially with the information given out by someone's God, right. This is like calling on supernatural intervention and it's like, you get the wrong information. Um, and that's super fun. Right. Cause as you said, the metagame, like we knew it was wrong, but like, if you go along with it, it's more of an interesting narrative. Oh, I was going to say, I think what immediately came to my mind was like halflings luck and, and, and stuff. I think that's still in some version, some version of, or subclass for, for 5e this idea that halflings are specifically lucky because of this idea that that's why they they got bilbo baggins on the (laughs) on the because they didn't want to they didn't want um only four or or 13 dwarves they needed like an extra lucky person on that Um, (laughs) which is really cute it has nothing to do with like a racial feature but it's kind of like a a way to, to to celebrate that but this idea that you get some kind of extra re-roll or, or something like that um, is because, yeah, like with dice, everything is based on luck uh, to, to some point. A, a D20 is very swingy. But the idea that there needs to be some mechanical way to make someone more lucky than another one by giving <laughs> them like a re-roll or a bonus or something yeah. like that is really interesting to uh, for something that's already based on dice. I think it makes it can make thematic sense to do it to have a sort of extra luck function for something like a halfling or something where there's some in-game uh, reason you might, might want to model that someone is lucky. But I often, when I see you know a mechanic that's like l- let the players give the players one last chance to uh, you know re-roll something, I like part of me thinks it seems kind of fun, but part of me thinks you know is this an attempt to correct for a a basic problem in these games yes. you know yeah the answer is yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i feel like it's it's a, an attempt maybe in some cases to answer that like what do you do when the dice just like wreck your fun or mm-hmm. or take the game in a direction you don't want it to go but either because because of the group you're playing with or the game you're playing you don't feel like you have the option to just say hey this die result is really gonna harsh my mellow can we do something different you know yeah Um, (laughs) how often have you guys been in a game where where something really something really dramatic hinged on luck or chance and not just Hmm. like you got a lucky hit in combat but something that really uh changed the direction that the game was going for good or bad that's an interesting question i have a like there's a, a moment that i think about a lot in a game that i was running where the the rogue in the party ended up killing a dragon on basically like the perfect roll. Right? It's like they rolled the hit and then they rolled their damage perfectly and took it out, like, you know, down to the hit point like that. And that to me was like a good, <laughs> it showed me that like sometimes relying on luck or fudging or giving them a second chance and stuff can actually rob the game of something. Hmm. Right. Like if I had been thinking about like, Oh, well, I can give them a second chance or I can give them some, some sort of other way out of this like it would not have given the rogue that opportunity to like have that really cool cool moment yeah that they had you know so to me like when we're like thinking about this yeah like my mind just keeps on getting drawn towards the times where like the mechanics supported it rather than like me handing them some sort of second chance do you guys feel comfortable leaving truly significant elements of a game up to pure luck like i think we are all 
familiar with the idea of letting random chance determine, you know, like, oh, do the goblins surrender or does this NPC agree with you or something like that? You know, we're all comfortable using dice to determine smaller scale random things. But have you ever played in a game where you were just like, yeah, I don't know if the big bad guy is going to um, surrender and change his ways here or or evolve into an evil uh, deity and attack you know mm. has anyone done something really dramatically using just luck oh i'm not that bold what about you kyle i i had a couple of games that i've run where i really did just like have a bunch of random tables and stuff like that and i didn't have a set story the idea was to design it around like more emergent play and that was really fun but I got the feeling like I got kind of bored with it and my players got bored with it because nobody felt like anyone could affect anything. Right. So if it's all based on <laughs> random stuff, it's it, you, what have you really conquered? It's like it, you're, you're just it, at that point, it's just snakes and ladders with extra rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a great, a I'm going to remember good reference phrase. because man, that game is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause there's nothing you can do to affect your outcome. There is yeah. no strategy yeah. to it. You just roll until the game decides it's over. Oh yeah. yeah. We, we have to do a quick aside because I didn't realize until it became apparent. Uh, we don't have a copy of shoot snakes and ladders, but, uh, but you know what game is a, is a nightmare is a candy land. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is i kind of wonder if that is if if there is some kind of like someone actually had a nightmare about Candyland, and that's where the, <laughs> the game came from and they actually really effectively delivered this idea of not being stuck in this nightmare Candyland. <laughs> yeah a deterministic <laughs> escape from candy <laughs> um so we used to have a copy of shoots and ladders um but i recycled it because i never wanted to play it ever again <laughs> yes Although this is making me think that it would make a fantastic dungeon setup, <laughs> you know, to have behind the screen be playing shoots and ladders as you're describing <laughs> what's happening to them. <laughs> I think you just gave me an idea for a map. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Every 20 minutes, you would draw a card that sends you back just to the beginning of the dungeon and you just get yes. to do it again. <laughs> like what is going on what is this magic i mean that's one it re it reminds me of the what was it the suffering game chapter of the adventure zone uh yeah where they were stuck in this carnival that was run by liches and there were like all these roulette tables and like random mm -hmm. events and it would just circle around and around until they found some way to break the cycle eventually and fans yeah. and the players of that game hated that. <laughs> I thought it was really clever. Uh, and I thought yeah. there was some really great character moments that came through it. But I can also, I wasn't playing in the game and I'm a weirdo mm -hmm. in the first yeah. place. So, but I, so I understand why everyone disliked it. <laughs> uh, um, we've gotten like really off topic, but I think I want to, I want to come back and focus on something. So like we talked a little bit about like mechanics that support, luck and things like that and that i was just i was reminded of and it's it's very telling that we got 15 minutes into this conversation before someone brought up inspiration from 5e because it's the thing that like every gm forgets about mm. like immediately yeah. totally yeah possible. yeah so i mean it's a super cool idea right like so the idea that you can occasionally hand out this token to a player and then later on they can use that to create their own luck they can you know roll roll with advantage just on any role that they want to 
later on. You know, so I mean, it's it's clever, and the times that I've used it have been really fun, and it's great for the players to be able to do it. But it's just one of those things that I think you forget about because I think maybe secretly, like you don't actually want to give your players <laughs> that ability. I, I, there's nothing in the game that actually like naturally clearly triggers the reward of uh, inspiration yeah. if everybody got inspiration on a long rest i think people would use it but it, yeah. that's yeah. you know to flavorfully that, that doesn't work out that well mm. i'm positive on one of the times that i have been on the show i have talked about dream askew but i think i think i'm going to mention it again because i think more people need it. to play that game um yeah. it's a powered by the apocalypse game except it uses no dice um, so the way that you get tokens that allow you to use your super cool moves is you have to allow bad things to happen to your character in the first place. Okay. So you, and you are in, entirely in charge of doing that. So you have to kind of allow for failure, allow for, and, and say like, this is the moment where I'm going to choose my, my failure move for my character. And so I can, I can kind of come around and do that and that's a it's 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 the opposite of luck but it it, yeah. it simulates luck narratively and actually yeah. does a better job of pacing it out as opposed to because you can still blow like inspiration or a luck roll and, and even in this this top secret game and you still whiff it you still used to roll double you know ones or something like that it's like well that yeah. that wasn't that was the opposite of lucky yeah. Yeah, I my, that's my mind went to that same idea that the problem with inspiration in D&D is that sometimes as a GM you'll remember to hand out inspiration and sometimes you won't. So there's no Kyle used the word pacing and mm -hmm. like yeah, the if the players don't know the pace at which they can expect to get inspiration, it kind of it wrecks the economy. You know, it makes it very hard for them to decide when to do it. You know, I I uh I think about fate, which I think has a better mm -hmm way of implementing this uh fate has makes a lot out of giving players like points that they can use to re-roll dice or to give themselves advantages but the reason it works is there are some incredibly explicit ways that players know how to get those points and they also know that like getting those points is a major part of like the game engine so hmm. for that reason when you play fate you see people using these using them all the time and you see the gm dispensing them all the time mm -hmm. according to like the rhythm set by the game and I, I like the idea of inspiration in D and D 5e but if it, it has always felt to me like something that's kind of kind of just tacked on without a lot of thought as to like how how will people actually use this at the table uh, but I, yeah. I mean it's a good idea i think there's something i, I think there's something to it it's just I, I don't know i rarely see people using it because and i always forget to hand it out so it, it sort of smacks of because there there aren't rules like it, it can end up being like a favoritism thing i think mm -hmm. like like oh like you made me laugh really well so like here have it have have a treat <laughs> like, right? yeah you know and then that's just like there creates some odd dynamics i think at the, at the table unless you're very good about like trying to find that moment where every player around the table has done something cool to give them inspiration yeah i really don't yeah. like systems that are like you know oh you reward good role playing with like a, a point or whatever it's like oh i don't i don't want to do that you know uh, <laughs> i can't be the arbiter yeah of that there's a so i was just thinking about in blades in the dark there's the concept of a devil's bargain yes. which is a bit like luck a bit like luck so the you know the players or even you like the gm can kind of introduce this additional 
tweak to whatever's happening so that you know you're rolling to figure out your consequences and, and things like that so this devil's bargain can allow it make it a little bit easier for you to succeed but something bad can happen blades is all about the narrative right so you're everything's building back into the narrative um which is which is really cool so i like this idea of of luck adding some sort of very real mechanic and it's not like an additional mechanic it just sort of adds on top of everything but then also adds a narrative element yeah to it as well it's not just like a oh it makes it easier for you to succeed as it happens i think i dished out a devil's bargain to kyle at our yes. most recent band of blades game oh you did i learned something Tell me about it about kyle's heart that day uh, i <laughs> it's listen it's band of blades you've you've you... <laughs> we're all heartless otherwise we wouldn't be playing the game <laughs> i uh i i thought i would really throw a uh, wrench into the works because as a result of him uh, doing this devil's bargain, I said, all right, well, you can do your thing, but you're going to notice that there's some, like, innocent survivors calling out to be saved nearby. Uh, I thought that would introduce a lot of drama, but then Kyle was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, no worries. I'm not going <laughs> to... I clearly I'll just felt ignore bad them. about it. Like, later on, yeah. like, it, it bothered me, even though it didn't interrupt <laughs> my plan. I, I want you to know that, but... But yeah, it. I'll, I'll confirm that he did feel bad about it later, and, okay. and, and everyone was okay in the end, dear listeners. So uh, it all, uh, yeah, it all worked out. It was all just a game. <laughs> you know, uh, one game, one game we should mention that uh, that uses luck in a really interesting way. I think is uh, a Call of Cthulhu, and a lot yes. of the basic role playing games have an actual luck stat, and I've always found the way it's used to be pretty intriguing. Um, at least the way I've used it when GMing Call of Cthulhu is I kind of use it to decide what happens to who if I don't have a clear sense or if, if context doesn't make it obvious. Who gets noticed first by the the cultist or whatever? Well, everyone make a luck roll to see what happens or who has the lowest luck. And I find that's kind of a just being able to say, all right, who's who has the highest luck here? You probably managed to avoid the the trap or something like that. I, I find that that's like just kind of a handy number to have on a character sheet. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hmm. that's also really interesting because there's a refresh, so you, that number can change, and then you can also spend luck. So yeah. you can so so you can spend that luck from a reservoir. I think this is in Pulp Cthulhu. Maybe this is just in Pulp Cthulhu, but you can spend that luck to to add into a different role for a different skill. But then you've diminished your luck number. So if you have if your character has to make a luck roll, you are far less likely to pass it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics might have a stat mm, that works yeah. like that too, right? Oh, yes, yes, uh, yes. They absolutely th- And that, that might even be what you're talking about. Yeah, it's just an interesting way to uh, to make luck really a tangible resource at the table. I um, There is a, a, a rule of storytelling that I have had in my brain for so long, I do not remember where I heard of it. Probably from Brian Michael Bendis on a on an interview with on on the Word Balloon podcast like 15 years ago is when I heard this and it's just been but it's really good and it kind of it's germane to our our discussion uh, is that coincidence is a is a great way to get characters into trouble but it's a terrible way to get characters out of trouble and this is kind of <laughs> one of the problems of. Of, the, of of luck mechanics and, and like luck solving problems or divine intervention days ex machina stuff in role-playing mm-hmm. games is it doesn't actually it doesn't actually honor pro- player agency 
or, or character agency. Um, but when things are unlucky, when you keep running into that same mini boss, it's just like, oh, how of all places did he end up in this room? <laughs> that feels satisfying. So in some ways, like bad luck is kind of easier to seed into a role playing story than figuring out how to like mechanic mechanize like good luck. But uh, I, I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, bad luck is fun, right? When right. when things get even more ridiculously worse or more desperate than they already were, it's very awkward trying to introduce like good luck. I mean, if you've ever been in the position as a GM of trying to extricate your players from a situation, you know, and and if <laughs> yeah. you're in this situation, you probably made some GMing mistakes to start with. But um, you know, I no, you... I just I disagree. It's always my player's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah you're right um bad luck is is easy and fun but yeah engineering good luck is kind of a weird complicated thing to do right thinking about the divine intervention part of this question or the supernatural intervention um first of all it's making me think about hades the video mm. game which like let's we'll probably be talking about hades every every episode from here on out <laughs> but uh yeah like there's just this like in that game in particular, right? Like every time you're you're entering the dungeon, it's a, it's a roguelike, so you're kind of playing the same dungeon over and over. You get these boons from the gods. Like going back to what you were saying, Kyle, about like coincidence is kind of fun at the, the beginning, but not as a way to get out of stuff. Right? So you get these boons before you go in. It's not something that happens like right before you, you, know, you die or things like that. Um, but it is, it's interesting to have this like supernatural intervention to come in because it, it changes your constraints in that game in in very interesting ways every time you go in it's like oh like now i have this power so this is going to really change how i might approach mm. it so like thinking about supernatural intervention with like tabletop games and stuff it's it, i think that's where it's most interesting if your god shows up mm. is like it gives you a piece of information or some sort of like new new tactic that you can take into your next scenario it doesn't necessarily just like get you out of a bad situation that makes sense it's not like oh yeah yeah that's really interesting it's kind of like you're, the god is saying yes you're gonna need my help for this so i'm gonna give it to you up front because yes. i'm not gonna be able to help you when you're bleeding out yeah <laughs> it's kind of like yeah the the the, the gifts of aslan in the in the first lion the witch in the wardrobe book is like yeah you know hey here's this filter but in one drop will heal people but you only have like three drops total like so yeah, magic items yeah. is a great way to do it's like seed divine intervention in the first place it's like you have this dream of your deity giving you all this cool stuff and you wake up and it's in your backpack or something yeah. like that that that's a cool way to kind of handle that but so it's there's still there's still agency but it's like really wonderful and in both mm -hmm. of those examples like both the hades the video game and the lion the witch in the wardrobe you know that good luck that's given to you actually it comes with some pretty big constraints mm -hmm. like in hades mm -hmm. you have to choose between um different boons at various places and i don't know about you but it, i mean i almost feel resentful sometimes at having to <laughs> having to i mean they're both yeah. both of these all three of these options are good and i'm kind of annoyed i have to pick the one that's better and in lion the witch the wardrobe you know they get the thing but they only have a few drops of it or they only have a limited number of uh, times they can blow the horn or whatever i don't remember mm -hmm. but um that gives players like a big uh, advantage or a big out, but it brings interesting tactical restrictions with it. I think I want to introduce that that vial <laughs> from the Chronicles of Narnia in a game because it would be really it'd be great if word got out that your the party had it right <laughs> right. It's like the party has three supernatural interventions right. Like when are they going to use it? 
you know, like who who would who would want that like you know who's going to fight for it who's going to be mad at them for not using it in the right place you know who can they you know like there's all sorts of things that can spin out from there which is just really fascinating because it's such a finite resource which yeah i don't know when i think about really powerful get out of jail cards like that that players wind up with i i don't find that people use them very much yes. because they're so precious uh you know you're always saving it you know, it's like, I don't know, it's like in Doom when you get, like, a couple of shots for the most powerful weapon, right? You're supposed to be using it, but really, you're going to finish the game with that weapon unused because you're saving <laughs> you're it. 10 Mega Phoenixes at the end of this Right, game. exactly. And, yeah. you know, and maybe that's maybe what D&D 5e is going with, with its inspiration. Luck that's in smaller, less dramatic chunks is more likely to actually get used um, at the table. Yeah, well, and it's it's also really interesting because both with the the Narnia thing and and Hades, it's actually a transparent decision. It's like you, <laughs> it's your choice of this over that, and there again that that gives an interesting choice to the um, to the to the players, and even even with um, I'm thinking of the the Captain Britain comic. Uh, where he had to choose between taking Excalibur or an amulet that would that would heal everybody, and he chose oh. he chose the weapon, and that's kind of like he chose his path. Kind of this moment of 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 character of character choice, but also like so you get to express yourself even within the bounds of this kind of divine intervention. Wow. Well, that's I think we're all going to have those character moments in games going forward. Mm. Where it's like, yeah, the god offers you two choices. I have not played a, in, in one yet, but I think Ryutima is a, heard is a game yeah. is an RPG out of Japan. And mm-hmm. it, it it's, it's about traveling and storytelling more so than overcoming uh, monsters and stuff like that. But there's a there is an explicit like GM fiat character. So the narrator of the story is this dragon that can come in and like interact with the characters if they call out. Ooh. So yeah. like that kind of building it in from the beginning, it's just like this is part of the world setting is is this dragon already likes you, which is why you are the main characters of the story in the first place. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, if you find yourself in the darkest night and you really need, a, 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 you know, somebody to save you. But again, that is that is kind of like that's explicit from the beginning. If that just comes out of nowhere, then it kind of obliterates that that sense of tension and meaning. Well, I think that's as good a place as any to, to wrap up. There's a lot to think about in here. I have to admit, when we like a lot of topics, when we roll this, it's like oh, I don't have anything to say. You know, we don't. We're not going to be able to talk about anything, and then, well, it's half an hour later. So <laughs> here we are. But uh, yeah, so Kyle, uh, thank you so much for coming on. This was super fun, and I hope your Kickstarter goes very well. Here's here's hoping. But by the time this comes yeah. out, hopefully, it's already funded. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll, we'll be doing our part. I do guess. you still so we'll do be... that thing where you have people replace uh, the question with their own? We do actually do that. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, so Kyle, well, let's do this as a, yeah, our last activity. Why don't you replace the topic that we just rolled on with one of your own making? What games do you want to run but have always chickened out of? Oh, oh! I can't wait to talk about this one. That's There's so many of them. on that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. All right. Well, thanks, Kyle. Um, really appreciate it. And yeah, we'll drop um, links to all that in the show notes. And then if anyone wants them, otherwise, just holler at us and we'll we'll be talking about it other places, too. So uh, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. Kyle, why don't you say goodbye? 
goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, and remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. Do 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 do